Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Hey everyone, it's great to be with you today. If we haven't had the chance to meet, uh, my name's David. I'm the location pastor at Jubilee Sunset Hills uh, location, and I, I'm looking forward to continuing in our sermon series as we've unpacked uh, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus has given us. And um, so we're gonna, we're gonna jump into that. You know, I, I don't know what kind of family that you grew up in, uh, but I grew up in a family that liked to play a lot of games. My mom in particular, uh, was a, she's a real big uh, champion of, of playing uh, games. She has a, a competitive streak in her that she, she may not own, but, but it's there. And, uh, and she, she keeps it interesting, she keeps it fun. You know, one game uh, I remember as a kid that she played that no one else participated in and my dad was particularly unfond of is she played a game versus herself of how long could she drive the car uh, before she needed to fill it up with gas. And uh, she, she was only, you know, she, it was a competition and she, with herself and she would just go, and I can almost every time, you know, the family would need to get in the car if my mom was the last one to drive the first stop we needed to make was the gas station because the, the, the tank was, was sitting on the E. And uh, I, I remember one time, in fact, one night we're driving and I don't remember who was there. I don't remember who was in the car, but we're in the car and we're driving. And uh, I remember it was nighttime and I'm pretty sure my mom was praying uh, as she hoped that we would get to where we needed to go. Um, and uh, I remember the car coming to a lurching, slow stop uh, in the road. And uh, as it ran out of gas, without gas, cars can't go. And we, uh, I remember uh, the good news was there was a gas station in sight. It was, it was out of reach, but it was in sight. And we were able to get some gas and to keep going. And uh, sometimes, you know, life can feel that way. Sometimes it can feel like we're driving and driving and driving and our tank is running low. It's coming, you know, the, the vehicle is coming to us, a slow lurching stop and the gas station or that rest stop or whatever it is, is just, it's just out of reach. And, uh, you know, there's, there's dishes in the sink. There are kids to be kept alive. There are uh, neighbors that we've been meaning to be nice to and friends we've been meaning to catch up with and, and work and family obligations and, and bills and on and on and on. And in the midst of it all, we're trying, we're trying to live right. We're trying to do the right thing, trying to treat people the right way, trying to be a good people, right? Good people, that's what we want. We, we, I think we desire to be good. And in our text today, Jesus is sitting in front of a, a group of people much like you with life swirling around, trying to do the right thing, trying to keep up with it all. And, and he has this to say in Matthew uh, 7, verse 12, he says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the golden rule. Right? He, says, he says, hey, you're tired. It's been a long day. Let me give you the answer plainly. You wanna know where life is. You want to be good. You desire to be good. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you some questions. How do you wish to be treated? Just tell me that. Let's think about this for a moment. How do you wish to be treated? Okay. Well, I want people to be kind to me, to be respectful towards me, 
I want people to honor me when I do well and to be gracious to me when I don't. I would like people to be hospitable to me when I'm lonely. I would like people to be generous to me when I'm in need. I would like people to be patient with me when I, when I don't understand. I want people to forgive me when I mess up. And Jesus says, okay, great, great. Now go and do that to everyone else. Go treat everyone else in your life and everyone that you come across that way, that way that you wish to be treated, I want you to go and treat everyone else that way all the time. And here's the really hard reality. I think sometimes we miss over because the golden rule, this verse has become so almost common with us. It's, you know, it's just, it's just we're so familiar with it. But the, the reality of what Jesus is asking us is very difficult because he says nothing of their behavior. He makes this statement to us regardless, saying this is how we should act towards other people regardless of how they feel, they think, or they act toward us. Think about the people you don't get along with. Think about the people you don't get excited to be around. Think about even people that have wronged you or people that you hear about on the news or read about on social media. And it's almost like you can't help but, but stop these words from falling out of your mouth saying like, I, I can't believe they posted that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they wrote that. I can't believe they believe that. How does God want us to be towards those people the way we want others to be towards us? Kind, gracious, patient, et cetera, et cetera. This is what being, this is what it means to be good. You wanna be good? He says, here's, here's the bar up here. And all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been reshaping and redefining what is good for us. He, he said, you've heard it say, do not murder. You'll be liable to judgment. I say to you, if you have anger in your heart, you'll be liable to judgment. You've, you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. I say to you, if you even look at a woman with lustful intent, you've already done it. You've already committed adultery in your heart. He says, you've heard it say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. How do you want, how do you wish to be treated? Whatever you wish, whatever you wish, go and do that to others. No clause, no asterisks, no fine print. But Jesus, if we keep giving and giving and giving, we're gonna run out of gas. We're gonna run out of steam. How do we keep just giving away and giving away? Like eventually we're gonna hit a wall. If we keep taking hits and only responding in love, we're gonna get beat down. We're gonna get taken advantage of. We're gonna get knocked off course. And it's important to realize that Jesus isn't giving us some moral advice that we need to put in our pocket and try to live by to the best of our ability at the, the most that we can. That's not what he's doing here. We have to understand he is giving us a standard that we cannot keep. We can't probably go a week without in a moment of weakness or tiredness, hangriness, 
stressed, overworked, whatever it is, to being unkind to someone, to lashing out at someone, to being short with someone, to being disrespectful to someone. So if that's our reality, why is Jesus piling? Why is he saying, why is he telling us to live this way when we already know that we can't? I don't think he's trying to be unkind to us. I don't think he's being unloving to us. That's not who Jesus is. I believe that Jesus wants us to see the impossibility of living this way separate from him. All throughout this Sermon on the Mount, I believe Jesus wants us to come to the realization that we need a savior, that we aren't going to get there in our own strength, in our own way, medicating ourselves with the thought that we aren't that bad. This is why verses seven through 11 are so important to connect with verse 12. Because as radically overwhelming as the golden rule is, Jesus extends an equally radical invitation to be satisfied in him. He does this by inviting us to pray. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened when I was doing physical therapy, um, every now and then I would come across a patient, especially fresh out of school, come across a patient that I just, I didn't have the skills to treat them or know what intervention to implement to help them and to give them pain relief. But thankfully I was surrounded by a group of therapists, many who had been working for many, many years, who had a lot more knowledge and a lot more skill. And a couple of them in particularly invited me and they said, hey, you come across this problem, just come and get me. We'll walk through it together. I'll show you what to do. I'll show you how to do certain treatments. And so when I, when I faced this problem, I had someone there to help me, someone that I could come alongside and, uh, and see uh, how they did things and that would answer my questions and show me where to put my hands and, and what, uh, what exactly to do. They would allow me to participate with them. In order to grow my skill, I needed people like this in my life. I needed someone outside of myself who was further along and who was wanting to help me. Both of those components are really important. Someone who was able to help me and someone who was willing to help me. There's been people in my life who are further along who weren't willing to help me, but those who, who were have shaped my life. What if, what if in life we had access to someone further along than us who wanted to help us to live the life we were created to live? Someone who was infinitely good, someone who was infinitely powerful, someone who was infinitely generous, infinitely patient, infinitely wise, infinitely loving, someone who is all knowing and all seeing and has all the resources at their disposal at all times, who wanted to help us. This is the reality of what Jesus is saying in these verses. This is the invitation that Jesus is extending to us. 
This is the access that he is giving us. He understands that we will, we will bleed dry giving and giving and giving, that we need a resource outside of ourself, greater than ourself, that we need someone who can help us and who wants to help us. He understands that our perspective is limited. Our resources, our understanding, our knowledge, it's all limited, but our heavenly fathers is not. This is an invitation to tap into not just a resource, not just to extract answers from someone, but to walk with and to come alongside God himself. And we see this, we see this in verses nine through 11. We see the heart of God in verses nine through 11. He says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, listen to this, who are evil, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And let's pay attention to verse 11 for just a moment here. Jesus doesn't mind being blunt. All through his sermon on the Mount, he has been with surgical precision, cutting away self-righteousness that's in our life. Self-righteousness just meaning that if there's anything that we can stand on, that we think, okay, I've done this, I have this, I am this, and this gives me right standing with God. I'm not that bad of a person. Therefore, I have right standing with God. He's cutting that down. He's cutting that away. He's been peeling back the layers so that we can come to the conclusion that we are not good. He just says it plainly, you who are evil. Me? Yet you who are evil. Like if we weren't gonna get there on our own after everything that Jesus has said about, you know, relationships and judgment and, uh, and, and lust and money, after all the things, if we weren't gonna get there, he was gonna make sure there was a firm stop here that we were gonna get there, that it can come to this reality that we are evil. No wiggling around the fact that Jesus calls us this. Now, we may not be walking around thinking about how amazing we are. I don't think that tends to be our problem. Generally speaking, I don't think many of us wake up thinking, man, I just can't believe what an amazing person I am. I just can't believe how generous I am and how kind I am. Like, man, is it good to be me? Like most of us, I don't think, not that there's no one out there, but I don't think generally speaking, that's our problem. But here's my concern. And I think, that's, it's, I think this is much more prevalent amongst us. It's not that we, are, we think that we are so great. I just think we can slip into almost subconsciously thinking that we aren't that bad. So this is challenging for Jesus to say, you who are evil, if you who are evil can give good gifts. Well, evil, Jesus, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I mean, my sin isn't that evil. My thoughts aren't that dark. And see, the danger is that when, is that when we slip into the mindset that we aren't that bad, then we don't really need Jesus all that much. If we allow our performance, if there's something about us or in us that we think we have done or a way that we live 
that somehow balances the good and bad out in our life, then we have become disillusioned from our absolute, desperate, unfixable, unchangeable disposition and condition that we are in separated from Jesus apart from having a savior. When our performance slips into the equation of God loving us, then it inevitably leads uh, to having expectations of God. We expect him to answer our prayers when we believe that our prayers are based on our which are, which are which based on our perspective is good. Think about that. We get frustrated with God when he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want, when we want, how we want. And our frustration is based on our perspective with our limited knowledge, with our limited understanding. We expect God to provide us comfort and relief when our circumstances feel uncomfortable. We get disappointed in God when things aren't going the way we want. Why? Because we've slipped into thinking we're not that bad. Therefore, bad things really shouldn't happen to me. We can begin to question, but this isn't how we're to approach God. He's not a genie in a bottle when we're, we, where we ask and, and he gives. He, he, you know, he tells me what I want to hear. He does what I think, you know, he should do. Uh, you know, if we think that way, if, if it was, hey, ask, seek, uh, and knock, you know, if, if he just did what we, every time what we asked and every time what we, what we wanted of him, then he, he ceases being God. In fact, what it does is it just puts us in the position of God where we think we know what's best. We think we know what should happen. And God's not interested in that. He's not interested in being in a genie in a bottle. He's not interested in being a source of, of good information. He's not interested in being some moral code that we you know, try to, to live by. God wants a relationship. He wants there to be trust because he, 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 he's, inv and he's inviting us. Because think about this, the infinite God beginning and the end, he's inviting us to come alongside him and to walk with him and be with him out of his generosity, out of his mercy, out of his love. He wants to give you good things. He wants to provide you what you need. And, and he's just making this point. Look, you who are evil, you, are, you want to do well by your kids. You want to give them good things. You want to provide them a good life. Generally speaking, that's what fathers want to do. He wants to be, Jesus, and that's what our father in heaven, who he wants to be family. He wants to be a father with his kids. He, he, and he wants us to realize that he will take care of us and he will give us everything that we need. And not only that, not only will he provide the necessities, but he says, how much more? How much more he will give beyond what we ask. He will give beyond what we expect. He will give beyond what we need. Because he is a good, good father. He is saying like a good father, he's gonna take care of us. He's gonna look after us. I mean, not even earthly evil fathers. Think about this, not even earthly evil fathers give their kids everything they want, when they want it and how they want it because they understand, because we understand, I'm speaking as a father, understand that our children with their limited knowledge and limited perspective and limited understanding don't always ask for the best things. 
They don't always know how to make the most appropriate request. But what assurance that our children should have is that we will take care of them and even give them beyond what they are asking because we know what they need. Our, our heavenly father is saying that he's that in so much better for us. We need to understand this invitation that Jesus is saying that the heavenly father has made is, is really overwhelming. Jesus is reassuring us that our heavenly father is good, that he's near, that he is, that he is present. And maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you just need to hear that your heavenly father loves you and he is with you. And though he may not be answering that request right now, how you want, the way you want it, he is with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. And sometimes just knowing that can be life-changing. It can change the circumstances, even though nothing has changed. I, th I thought about this the other night as I had one of my daughters cried out in the night. She was scared, had a bad dream. I went in there and I really didn't do anything other than just stood next to her bed. I rested my hand on her. I told her it was gonna be okay. And even though nothing had changed, the room hadn't changed, she hadn't forgotten the dream that she had just had, the, the, I didn't turn the lights on, it was still dark, shadows, everything was the same. But it was amazing how just me coming in the room, just standing next to her, her fears began to fade away. God wants you, he's near like that. He's near to you right now, whatever circumstance you're going through, he is available, he has given you access and he is with you. He's a never ending resource for us. Nothing changes, but everything can change within that reality. And it's with this reality laid before us that Jesus gives us verse 12, the golden rule. He understands that if we're gonna love and we're gonna serve and we're gonna give ourselves to others, that we're gonna treat other people, regardless of how they treat us, we're gonna treat them the way we wish to be treated, then we're gonna need an ongoing, ever-present, always loving relationship with our heavenly father. He becomes our resource of love. He becomes our resource of peace. He becomes our resource of courage and our resource for patience. He becomes our ever-present resource because he is all of those things and he has given all of those things to us and he, and he is pouring out. In fact, the scripture says mercy is new every day. Every day he's pouring out and available to us because of his great love for us. And I wanna leave you today with these final encouragements. My first encouragement is just know your heavenly father. If you don't know him if you're not spending time with him, talk with him, pray, pray, pour your heart out to him, journal. If it helps to journal, write what you're thinking, write what you're feeling, be honest because he already knows what's going on inside of you. If you're frustrated, share that frustration, but come back to this truth in this reality that you have a father in heaven who loves you, who's gonna take care of you. Get to know him through his word and through prayer. Secondly, receive his love for you, knowing that he gives it to you without measure. He is aware that you and I don't deserve his love. That reality has not slipped his mind. But is it really love if we did deserve it? Like if he owed it to us, could we really say that's love? 
Don't, don't talk yourself out of receiving what God is freely giving you so that you can have a relationship with him, so that you can walk with him and be with him. So often we talk ourselves, oh, I don't deserve God's love. No, 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 don't get in your own way. Don't let a thought come in. No, God has freely made available to you because he loves you, relationship with him. Receive that love. Finally, bless, bless someone this week. Bless is an acronym we use um, and uh, to help us just to be, be purposeful and mindful of those who don't, who don't yet know Jesus. And uh, just encourage you to take a, a moment this week and, and bless someone. Be, be standing for begin with prayer. That's something you can do this week. Just begin praying for someone, praying for someone that doesn't know God, praying for someone to experience and know that they have a father in heaven loves them. They have a, a savior in Jesus Christ who died for their, their sins. Pray for them. Listen to someone, that's the first L. Look, look for an opportunity to get around them, to ask them how they're doing. Just be single-mindedness in your purpose to like you're wanting to know how they are doing and what's happening in their life. Listening is a powerful weapon. Eat with them. E is eat, open up your home, invite them in for a meal, exercise hospitality. S is serve, find something practical that you can do for them. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. Just look for an opportunity to practically do something kind for someone in your life. And finally, S is share. Share why you pray. Share. You get the opportunity, take it, to share why you pray for them, why you serve them, why you listen to them, why you have them in your home. Tell them about how Jesus has forgiven you of your sins and has changed your life. And very lastly, I don't wanna miss the opportunity to encourage you, church, to extend an invitation this week to someone to join us for Easter services next Sunday. It's just, it's an amazing opportunity. It's, it's, it's a service that we know people will say yes to. We know the gospel is gonna be shared. The good news of Jesus is gonna be shared. We want as many people as we can to hear that message. So, so take an invitation, extend someone, bring someone along uh, to one of our in-person services uh, next week. I can't wait for it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. 